perfectly. <laughs> wow. <Me> neither. <laughs> I also read. read the pod episode 55 where we always discuss the latest nebraska issues i'm stephanie and here with me today are april and melody hey ladies welcome back hello um i want to know one example of hot girl summer april what did you do that was hot girl summer this summer um I don't know. I'm, does this qualify? I wore a two-piece swimsuit all summer. Hell yeah! And and I bought a what's it called? A jumpsuit. Cause it's the cutest shit ever. <laughs> now I need to cool down just a little bit because it's a little hot to wear that. <laughs> Stephanie, how did you express yourself in Hot Girl Summer? Um, honestly, I got this really incredible pair of like linen overalls and. Um, I don't think they're very flattering, but they're fantastically comfortable. So I've been wearing them all the time. I'm wearing them right now. Yeah. And <laughs> my little hamster fits in the front pocket perfectly. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I think that is a misnomer about hot girl summer. You don't have to dress in the skimpiest thing possible. It's about being like your best self because mm-hmm. that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Being like, yeah, that's right. I'm here and I'm having the best summer of my flipping life. I got a pet a fox, so I did have the best summer of my life. I love it. I saw I moose it. and mountains. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> you saw a lot. Did you hear that? I hope, I hope the um mom that I just overheard. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope that that got recorded um, because it was so real life it's called it's called life it was so real life Mm -hmm. um i love it and i saw i went to the beach for a good long time and i had like four swimming suits and i was still like i should have brought my fifth swimming suit because i bought a lot of swimming suits for my beach (laughs) and then we found um the most amazing sea creatures we found multiple kinds of crabs if we found this crab he has one gigantic claw. He's called wow. a fiddler crab. Mm-hmm. He looks like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Um, so we just did a lot of that. A lot of gardening. I bought a double-sized hammock. So me and the kids would just lay in it because both kids could fit in it. <gasps> Perfect. Mm-hmm. So, and then I just spent as much time as possible with other people and i'm really glad i did that because now we're shutting her to back down again mm-hmm. no i took the family out for dinner tonight i had a ton of food i did not need to go to dinner i needed to eat all this food but i was like you know what we're gonna come into a really crappy winter again and so i know a place where we can eat outside we're going 
Excellent. And yeah, nobody so else was eating. out there. So we had all to ourselves. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm-hmm. For anybody with unvaccinated people in their circle of love, or especially if they're in their home, uh, eating in restaurants is out. Definitely. You mean, I mean, That's unvaccinated out. that are ineligible to be vaccinated. Right. That's- because I don't really have the other people in my life. Mm-mm. Not that no. I'm going to see. I'm not visiting those people. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah. And we know around Nebraska that schools are generally not masking. Uh, do we know what OPS's policy is? It's all grades masks. They are Instead. masking. Mm-hmm. Lincoln is only masking K through six. Mm-hmm. And then um, a lot of other schools around us are doing no masks of any sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is going to be, you know, I hope it's not going to be super tragic, but we are seeing that children are getting COVID and their symptoms are sometimes really bad. And sometimes healthy children are getting knocked down. So, and we really haven't been putting children in big giant public spheres the way that uh, schools do. So, you know, I'm just hoping, I'm just hoping uh that people who have studied the spread of infectious disease and epidemiology i'm just hoping they're all wrong because politicians seem to think things are fine so let's, you know hopefully the people with a bunch of uh, fancy degrees who have spent research hours lab hours published in peer-reviewed academic journals you know hopefully they're wrong about the collapse of our healthcare system that's definitely happening in Alabama and uh, you know hopefully we won't be seeing that in Nebraska because I'm sure that these school boards and these mayors know exactly what they're doing they give it a couple weeks here in Nebraska Mm -hmm. we're still a couple weeks behind and we already know that they're canceling elective surgeries or I should say well elective but also like anything that's not imminent has been pushed back for 30 days as if, I mean, we're not going to be better in 30 days, but what else, What other choice do they have? And there's no testing. Testing's really oh my hard. God. Yes, it's such a nightmare. So let's remind viewers a little, listeners, a little bit, and then I want you to talk a little bit about what you went through, Melody. So Test Nebraska that we spent, what was it, $27 billion on? Utah Tech Bros. We said, million. I think it was just million. Million. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, whatever. Still a lot of money. More money than I'm ever going to see. So $27 million for them to test all these Nebraskans throughout the pandemic. And then, you know, in June, they were poof, gone. Governor said, we're done. Don't need you. You're done. Well, it's obviously not dead. And now those tech bros, the bigger company, Nomi Health, is back in the same exact spot in the same parking lot here in Lincoln and Gateway. I don't know that they've got openings around the state. That's something we should look into. And they're testing, but now they're not associated with the government. And now it's not being paid for, for you to test. So if you don't have insurance, that's likely not an option. Maybe I should check that before we tell all our viewers. (laughs) It's a nightmare. Like every day it changes. Well, I had one of my kids had just a few, like, just a few little normal, typical kids not feeling well kind of stuff going on. 
And I was pretty sure, you know, they did not have COVID because I keep my children under lockdown. They are only hanging out with vaccinated people. And now that school has begun, they're not hanging out with anyone inside. Everyone's only outside. They're masking at school. You know, so I just, I didn't think it was going to be a thing. Well, I just called the pediatrician. Cause I'm like, you know, better safe than sorry. Let me just get him a quick test. I called the pediatrician. Uh, they didn't, author- they would not authorize drive-through testing. Although another friend of mine called the same pediatrician, but their kid had worse symptoms. And so they did test that kid. So it sounds like your symptoms have to be bad enough to get a test through your pediatrician, or at least mine. And then I tried to look at the pharmacies and they all had free testing, but you couldn't get in until the next day or even further. You had to set up mm-hmm. an online account. You couldn't just, you know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. It seemed intentionally designed to prevent you from getting a test to keep our state numbers nice and low. And they're high. And that's with the gateway, you know, with the gatekeeping. So, I can't imagine if we had robust testing, what the numbers actually might look like. Yeah. Because the hospitals are not in a good shape. The, we are out of pediatric beds. Uh, we are, most of the hospitals are out of most of their beds. Yep. And if they still have beds, they don't have nurses to staff them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And God help us when the nurses start really getting sick. Right. Or they just quit. Um, you know, um, COVID is back in nursing homes again. I've heard it again recently, but in my own family, my mother-in-law's facility has it, um, a couple of staff and a couple of residents. And now my mother-in-law has to quarantine because she was exposed. How many people don't know that how to get tested? Even now, I just looked up the Nomi Health thing. There's a spot where you do have to insert your insurance. So I'm assuming you do have to have insurance. So again, like, what do you do? People have told us that they've called the health, the county health department and they're told conflicting information. Like, it shouldn't be this freaking hard 18 months into a pandemic. Then additionally, so they're like, we'll just get tested. Where? Where? How? When? And then even the over-the-counter ones, which are not, as accurate, but they can be useful. There's a shortage. Um, there's a national article this weekend that Abbott Laboratories, who makes that Binax now, which if you've seen any of them over the counter, that's the main one. Um, they've been destroying, like in July, whatever, they were like destroying tons of these tests because they weren't selling fast enough. They weren't expired. They just like, oh, apparently we don't need these. There's not a demand for these, which is insanity. Even other people pointed out, like, couldn't these have been donated to even, like, another country? Because Delta was raging in other countries before it came here. This is not Mm -hmm. unexpected that it would eventually make its way to our country. It's just unconscionable that it's every man, woman, and child for themselves right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't see any real leadership coming from anywhere. I mean, there's some on the national level, but they can't dictate things. And got Pete Ricketts, who likes to publicly announce that children can't get COVID. And honestly, I'm not even worried about my kid dying from COVID. What I'm worried about is the long-term impacts on her body from COVID and her inability to get vaccinated yet. 
And I'm going to say this too. I don't know if anybody else is thinking this, but I'm sure they are. Um, I don't want COVID to financially ruin me. I don't yeah. want my kid or me in the hospital. That's why I'm vaccinated, but my kid can't get it yet. And I'm not going to like everything I've worked so hard for, just this house of cards on a teacher's salary, okay? I don't want it all come crumbling down because some jerk wouldn't wear a mask or wouldn't get vaccinated and give it to my kid or give it to their kid who gave it to my kid at school. You know, I was talking to somebody about this today and I said, I just, it feels so monumentally unfair when places are not demanding mask mandates or vaccine mandates for employers. It just seems like we're just comforting these people who are actively ruining our lives. So because Delta has flared up, uh, we bought tickets in the springtime to go see Black Pumas, which is this like amazing, like up and coming band. I think they just won a bunch of Grammys, but they're still doing small venues. Well, we had two tickets to the show, but I didn't get to go because our daycare situation fell through because someone got exposed to COVID that was doing the daycare and school was getting ready to start. People were starting to lock down. So that's like my quality of life is impacted. And I think we all probably have stories like that. Um, I was invited to a house party to do a rum tasting, which was amazingly fun and cool. Uh, But again, I couldn't take my spouse. I took a friend who was fantastically wonderful. She was the best date ever. I may replace her uh, for my husband. <laughs> her general, husband might have something to say about that. <laughs> like we were supposed to have like, let's go do a rum pasting and then let's go home and do some hanky panky. Right. But instead, <laughs> because our daycare for the weekend fell through, we had the kids. He stayed home with the kids and there was no hanky panky. It was just me in the mood. Unable. <laughs> I'm tired of these. I know. I'm tired of these lack of mask mandates and these anti-vaxxers. I'm just. I'm tired. They are ruining my life, and I'm doing everything right. And it's making me mad. I feel like doing the right thing is a punishment. Yep. I also was reading this weekend. I was reading. Imagine that. But there was another really good article about like not letting COVID fear take over your life. Mm-hmm. But I want to be clear that I don't think that's what we are doing. Mm-mm. We are all just like in a holding pattern, trying to keep our kids safe until they're vaccinated. And, right. and also elderly people, right? Like, yeah. um, I'm not having my, even before quarantine, I wasn't having my mother-in-law over to eat because I don't know what's going to happen. My 84 year old grandmother wanted to come visit this weekend. And I had to tell her, I said, you know what? I got the mother-in-law over here that I have to take her to some appointments. I got kids just went back to school. I'm going back to school and the kids in my school and my daughter's school don't have to mask. I do not feel like I can safely host you because they can't stay at my house and wear a mask the whole time. That's like not reasonable. And so I had to tell her no. And I said, but you know, let's wait and see. If I'm pleasantly surprised at Labor Day, maybe we can visit you. But my 84-year-old grandmother and her vaccine is old enough that it's going to be starting to fade. And she got the J&J, which isn't looking so hot. (sighs) 
it's but as you said, Melody, it's just exhausting that we're having to do all this crap for <laughs> team members who aren't doing their part. I know it feels like you're on a group project in college and we're all being graded equally and the teacher is putting no weight on individual effort and four out of the five people are on the football team and you. And you're just like, but I need a good grade on this. And the football players are like, well, I don't know. My coach will fix it on the back end. So I don't care. I'm not dealing with it. And so you just have to do the whole project by yourself. And it- you, have, you have two and a half good players, but unfortunately when the opponent is COVID, um, it's, it's just not working out well. No, no, it's frustrating. I do want to say something really amazing though. It's tomato season. And yesterday, because I was at the beach for so long, I didn't grow any tomatoes. I knew I wouldn't be here when it was like a critical watering time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, somebody just dropped off tomatoes for me, a giant bag and they're bright, like yellow and they have like red spots on them. I don't know what variety they are. They are so sweet that I cut them up. I did not put sugar or salt and pepper or anything on them. We just ate them as a side with mm-hmm. dinner and they were amazing. So that is one good thing that is going on. I also want to find out if anybody's reading. Did you read any summer book? April. Yeah, I read uh, Isabel Wilkerson cast oh i read that too the origins of our discontent oh my god that book is so good those type of books i like to buy and i like to write like underline in them and stuff because then like as i read chapters i make my husband listen to me talk about (laughs) the book and stuff like that but that was fascinating and i feel you know we all always have room to learn and grow on this but in like our history in this country, but still, and this was for a class I was taking. So I really felt like I would come into this class a little prepared or come into this book prepared. No, I still learned so much. I did not know, did not know. Yeah, I did too. I loved that book. Um, Stephanie, have you been reading this summer? Not really. Magazines? I you failed at summer reading program? I I did. I mean, I, I read a couple of like parenting books. Um, oh, so that's good. Didn't we both read the same one, the Hunt Gather, Hunt, Gather Parent? Parent? I've not quite finished that one. And um, I, also, <laughs> I also read uh, Broccoli Before Ice Cream, which is by a gentleman actually here in Lincoln, Dr. Tim Riley. So. Did you like that book? Would you recommend it? I would recommend that book. There are, he wrote it back in 2015 and a lot's changed with technology in the last six years. So there are some pretty funny uh, little comments that he makes about what kids might be up to (laughs) that are mildly entertaining. Fair enough. He talks about the number of TV channels and all I could think is their YouTube channels. Right. Um, Right. But um, the basic pr- um, parenting advice sound useful, eh? Mm-hmm. I mean, the human brain does not change that dramatically from one generation to the next. No, no. And it, the years change, you know, the cultures change, but like mm-hmm. the brain, those parenting tricks, they don't really change. No. Nope. Love your kids. 
Make no, sure they'll get COVID, you know, the usual. The usual. Uh, I read this book called No Man Land, which then I watched yes. the movie. I didn't know it was a movie when I read it. Uh, but it was really felt like a book about economic justice. It was really entertaining. Um, it was horrifying. It was interesting. It was all kinds of things. But it was about how we have this whole shadow economy for people that live in vans and campers and how like, Amazon actively recruits them and they have a whole brand called Campers Force for these transient people that, and some of it like it's by choice, they want to opt out of living in community and cities and towns and suburbs and all that. And that's kind of how they want to live their life. And then other people are forced out economically um, through million different reasons and that seems to, to be the most economic um economically viable option for them and it was amazing and i one of the pathways for employment that they were talking about was through state parks because they can kind of just park at the state parks in the rv uh mm. and then they can work and they state parks are really taking advantage of these people and paying them in like poverty wages and then offering free room and board. Well, I looked at in the Lincoln Journal star, they had an article a week or two ago about how in Nebraska state parks, we are so massively unemployed, underemployed at the state parks that they had a lot of things closed and they were closing things early. Some of the summer stuff that they go into fall, they're closing yeah. early or they're limiting mm-hmm. hours. Well, I went and looked at the job for the state park and they're paying nine bucks an hour. There was oh, an accounting job that was $16 an hour oh for accounting. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's just not survivable, right? That's insane. And nobody can get away with that kind of pay these days, let alone the state when you have a worker shortage and it's a part-time job i mean maybe the accounting job isn't but any of the park jobs um a big thing that's hurting parents right now is um daycares and before and after care type centers Mm -hmm. and stuff are having trouble staffing um the one my own child goes to is and it's causing headaches with my own job and i'm not sure how that's going to work out yet I also wanted to talk about something I read in the newspaper. Did any of you read the article about Chris Dunker had an in-depth update on Mead, Nebraska? And well, I read Alt that. N. Did you? I know you get the like physical paper, so I thought you might have. Yeah, I get the Sunday paper for real because I love it. Yeah. <laughs> he, Dunker really, did a really great job of laying that out because it is such a twindy, twisty tale but um and i was really glad he pointed out that the company that's supposed to be cleaning it up was recently fined like eight hundred thousand dollars elsewhere in nebraska for improper cleanup so this is probably going to go great (laughs) which is something that we broke here at seeing red Yep. yep that is a story that we broke um i love it when you see investigative journalists locally kind of pick up where, you know, we've just discovered something. We say what we know, which isn't the most you could know. 
Um, but it's, you know, it's what we know. And then they run with it and go even further. And yeah, it was a really good, it was kind of my big takeaways was one, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be put in dumps in very specialized ways, but the nearest dump has taken as much as they're going to. And now they don't know where to take the rest of it. And it's complicated. There's at the bottom of the pile of the sludge is this chemistry cocktail that's just dancing around in the soil and leaking into the water that's nice that's lovely uh and then the company that is supposed to be partnering and they're you know made this whole mess they are arguing with i'm not sure if it's the state or the regulators or the company that's supposed to be doing the cleanup um there's so many players it's hard to keep up but they're arguing that there is part of this mess that they should still be able to profit off of and sell. And so now they're spending time in court to fight because they think they should still make money, even though they've created this giant environmental disaster. Yeah. Those are my, those are my main takeaways from the article, but of course, Dunker really walked through and gave you not the too long, didn't read version, but the actual, he gave you all the guts and the details and the nuance. <laughs> I thought it was really interesting too because apparently they had an idea that maybe they would ship some of this waste by train to incinerators around the country and they reached out to this frontier cooperative um, where it wanted to be where they needed to use their their land or whatever to get it on the trains and then frontier was like well tell us more about this waste you're hauling to our property. And then the question like was dropped. <laughs> like they know it's trash. They know it's hot mess. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're definitely uh, running a failed state. The fact it got this bad, the fact that a basically a criminal company is in charge of the cleanup. It's terrible. Uh, one thing that we didn't publish when Amanda Gailey's story came out about the cleanup, the company in charge of the cleanup is she was reviewing a lot of environmental complaints just generally. Uh, and there are just amazing things happening in rural Nebraska. Like people are routing their sewage instead of in their septic tanks, they're just routing it straight into creeks and rivers. They're oh, routing it into their old swimming pool they don't use anymore and they're just making a poop pool um like there's just i just don't understand what i say that a lot lately underfunded organization who but you know we're back we hope everybody enjoyed a summer break of listening to black leaders of last summer in the moments of last summer where things were happening uh we picked all those episodes because we just think Everyone we interviewed was so incredible and amazing, and it was worth hearing their voices again. And if you have ideas for guests, stories, things you want us to talk about, um, hot girl autumn ideas, <laughs> let us know. Let us know, because we're, we're back and we're ready. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. 
Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, $10, or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com. Thank <laughs> you.